Welcome to the South Fellowship Church Podcast. Here at South Fellowship, we exist to help people live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Amen. All right. Well, hello. It's good to see you all. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Hey, if you're new or new-ish, um, my name is Aaron Bjorklund. I am the worship pastor here. Uh, thanks for tuning in online if you're there. Um, if that is you and you are new, then we'd love to meet you. We have this new here table uh, out in the lobby. That's an opportunity for you uh, to meet someone here, find out what it looks like to actually plug in and be a part of this community. And it's actually an opportunity for us to figure out who you are and what you uh, might bring to this community to make us more what God wants for South. And so we'd encourage you to check that out after the service. Um, before we dive in, I, I know we just prayed, but I'm gonna pray for myself just to get my head on straight, and then we will dive in this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for this community. Thank you for your abundance. Thank you for being a good, kind, just, magnificent God. We pray this morning that, we, that you would speak and that uh, this community would become a little bit more like what you want us to be, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we desire. And to that end, we submit this gathering to you. Amen. Amen. So if you don't mind, if I'm a little bit vulnerable with you right off the bat, a little bit of self-disclosure. I don't know if it's too early or it's not early in the year. It's, I don't know if you're still in vacation mode and you don't want to think about these kinds of things until the new year. Like that's when you think about deep things, right? Like life transformation stuff. That's for tomorrow or maybe the day after that. But if you're okay, I'm just gonna give you a little bit of vulnerability. I've come to realize that I want to be blessed. I want blessings in my life. I want a healthy family. I want financial stability. I want a fullness of life. I want joy. I want incredible experiences. This is what I want. Now, why is that vulnerability? Because for much of my life, I would have been ashamed to admit it to you, especially in this public setting. But I do, I wanna be blessed. I want the good stuff of life. And as I've gotten older and I've started to become more aware of my own emotions, I, I've started to realize as much as I tried to suppress that reality, it's true under the surface. See, I grew up around Christianity and I, I learned early on that the way of Jesus invites us into selfless living and self-giving and these sorts of things. And I said, oh, I wanna be a good Christian. I'm gonna try and do those things. And I like to think of myself as a person who does things for a higher purpose, who does things for, for some greater cause. And as a result, I would have been ashamed to admit that I wanted blessings, but with a little bit more emotional health, 
I started to realize that behind that desire was actually a deeper desire. See, someone told me that the best way, the good life, was the selfless life. And there's a lot of truth to that. Don't get me wrong. But notice that there was a desire for the blessings of God behind my attempts to be selfless. Um, by the way, that's one of the reasons why Alex is going to do this message, or, or this series over the next few weeks about emotional health, because one of the most important steps in maturity is learning how to understand your own inner world. One of the biggest barriers in my own emotional, in my own spiritual journey was my inability to diagnose how I actually felt about things and then interact with those emotions in healthy ways. It is so critical. So please come back for that series um, and Alex will help us maybe start the year a little bit more on some more uh, firm emotional footing. I started to break some of this uh, dissolute, or this, uh, what is it, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, this uh, naivete, I guess, when I read this quote by C.S. Lewis. If we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the gospel, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slums because he can't imagine what it's meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. This quote start, probably started a journey for me of realizing that desire behind my actions wasn't necessarily bad. In fact, the desire may not be strong enough. Maybe desire isn't evil. Maybe, just maybe. Now, maybe you're like me, and you're thinking, you're sitting there thinking, uh, I'm not, no, I think there is sometimes ways that we can be motivated to do things uh, that aren't from self-seeking motives. But I would propose this to you. Everything we do, even the purest selfless thing is motivated by a deep desire to live a blessed life. And you might be skeptical, and I might not win you over today. I might not win you over today, but let me offer you one more piece of evidence that would hint towards this direction, and then we'll move on. The most selfless person that ever walked the face of the earth was Jesus Christ, right? He was so selfless that he left heaven and he came to earth and then he died a brutal death being ostracized by his closest followers uh, and that is selflessness. But the book of Hebrews tells us this, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne on high. So even Jesus, even the selfless acts of Jesus is actually driven by a motive of this deeper, more beautiful, abiding joy. So if I haven't won you over, that's fine. You can just tune out for the rest of the service. But now maybe you're a different kind of person. Maybe you're not wired like me. Maybe you've never been so naive to, know, to believe that you didn't, weren't motivated by desires and you're just like, I've always known that. I've always wanted blessing, and that's fine. It doesn't mean I'm not selfless. It just means that I'm emotionally aware. Well, good for you. 
I'm so glad for you. But for me, and maybe for some of the rest of us, it takes a little bit more coaxing to believe that we have these deeper desires. And so either way, whether you're the kind that didn't want to admit it, or you're the kind that has always admitted it and has always been emotionally honest about these sorts of things, we have two questions that I would like to briefly ask for us today, and that's this. What is biblical blessing? When the scriptures speak of blessing, what is it talking about? So we're going to deal with that. And then, based upon that, is it possible to step into the flow of God's blessing? And if so, how? And if not, what does that mean? So what is biblical blessing? And is it possible to step into the flow of God's blessing? And so we're gonna do a little brief survey to answer that first question, and then for the second question, we'll land primarily in Numbers chapter six. But in order for me to deal with the first question, I'm gonna have to start right where the scriptures start, and we're gonna ask, what's the genesis of blessing? The word genesis means beginning. And interestingly, if you, the more you study the scriptures, the more you encounter the scriptures, what you'll learn is genesis is like concentrate. I don't know, did any of you drink juice made from concentrate growing up? Is that, that's sort of phased out nowadays, right? But you, not so, someone's shaking, no, not phased out now. It's still there. Um, it used to be that you'd have sometimes this concentrate juice, like even frozen, and you'd put it in a thing and add water, and it would become normal juice. Well, that's how Genesis functions in the scriptures. Packed into the book of Genesis is all the ideas required to, and all the information required for you to start to understand and interpret the rest of the scripture. And it's also true with Genesis and the subject of blessing. In the beginning of Genesis, in chapter one, we see the word blessing for the first time here in chapter one, verse 21 through 22. So God created the great creatures of the sea and everything living with which the water teems and, the, and that moves about in it according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind and God saw that it was good and then God blessed them and said be fruitful and increase in number and fill the waters in the sea and let the birds increase in them and then he goes on and he creates the land creatures and it's that second section with the land creatures is connected to the same blessing but then he moves on later in that chapter in, cha- in chapter 1 verse 27 he says this so God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed, there's that word, them, and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over it. The fish in the air, uh, the fish in the sea, that'd be interesting. Occasionally that happens. The fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and every living creature that moves on the ground. This is the first time that blessing shows up. And blessing is a big deal in the book of Genesis. It is scattered all across the book of Genesis. And the reason is, is it carries, notice how this blessing is connected to being fruitful and multiplying and filling the earth. This is the primary thrust of what it means to be blessed by God. When God blesses someone or something, it is, it is, to give that thing a capacity to bring his goodness and to expand across his created order. 
Biblical blessing functions like performative speech. God's blessings are performative speech. In linguistics, performative speech is, the, is, is this, a sentence that not only describes something, but also changes reality itself. When God speaks a blessing, he actually changes the future state of things. So what are some other examples of performative speech? When an officiant at a wedding stands up and says, I hereby pronounce you husband and wife, that's performative speech. It's not just saying some information. It's actually changing the future state of that relationship from that point forward and ongoing. That is performative speech. This is the biblical idea of performative speech. God speaks and the future changes. This is blessing. And specifically, when God speaks, he produces this capacity for people to create life and to enrich life. It's very, very similar to the New Testament idea of grace. I remember years ago, I was studying the subject of grace and I came across this definition in the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia of grace and it stuck with me. It's probably been one of the most life-giving truths that I could possibly imagine when I studied grace. Grace, the Greek word is charis, is the word for God's favor, a sense of the term that is especially refined by Paul. But God's favor differs from man's in that it cannot be conceived of as inactive. A favorable thought of God about a person involves by necessity the reception of some blessing. There's our subject matter by that person. When God thinks favorably towards you, he thinks with power. When God speaks with favor towards you, he speaks with power. So our first question was asking, what is biblical blessing? This is biblical blessing. When God blesses us, he increases our capacity to create and to multiply life in the world. And I put down there physical and metaphorical life. It's not just connected to the ability to procreate. It's actually connected to this fullness of life. The richness that we talked about in the introduction, this richness of life that we all long for. We long, we long to have lives that are satisfied, that feel meaningful, that have life. And so when God blesses, he increases our capacity to create and multiply blessing in the world. Because God is unequivocally pro-life. And I'm not saying that in the political terminology. I'm not saying that it's, it, that in, it, that's included. But he is so for life that the majority of the Old Testament is God's fighting to create and to preserve and highlight and do all of these things all throughout the Levitical law to highlight how pro-life he is. He wants life for us and he wants life to be teeming with goodness and overflowing with abundance this is what god's about biblical blessing is when god gives someone the capacity to create and multiply life in the world so so far we've asked this question what is biblical blessing well i gave you that answer it's it's this right but the second question we have to ask is this all right well if that's what biblical blessing is, how can we step into the flow of God's blessings? And the first answer to that question 
is found in Genesis chapter 12. Again, we get to define all of our terms in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, and it, it essentially says this, and we'll get back to this in a moment. When God blesses, it's in order for us to be a blessing. We are blessed in order to be a blessing. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. I will make you into a great nation. This is God speaking to Abraham. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And I will, and you will be a blessing. So I'm going to bless. And then that blessing will produce, again, not just something that terminates with you, but a blessing that grows out of you for others, you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who will curse, uh, you will, uh, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. So God selects Abraham, and he pours out his biblical blessing, this capacity to create life, to reproduce not just physically, but metaphorically, this life-giving nature. And then he chooses that man to create a family that then goes on and blesses others. In other words, we are blessed to be a blessing. This is how it functions biblically. In other words, we're meant to be streams. We're conduits of blessing, flowing water. We're not a stagnant pool. Blessing does not terminate with us. If, if it does, it turns into this nasty, non-life-giving, I'm sure there's co- tons of life in there actually, uh, just not the kind of, not like life-giving kind of life, if you know what I'm saying. It, we're meant to be conduits, not receptacles of blessing. Does that make sense? Conduits, not receptacles of blessing. What's another way to find blessing? So one is to try and create in yourself this attitude that says, when I receive blessing, it's got a destination beyond me. Okay, so that's the first lesson. When I receive blessing, there's a destination that is beyond me that God wants to send that blessing in and through my life. So that's the first way to have the blessings flow. Otherwise, you become that stagnant pool. Another way is that for some strange reason, God decided to interact with humanity in a unique way in his created order. Early on in Genesis, what we just read, that God gave mankind his image. And then he commissioned mankind to subdue the earth and to care for the earth. And what that means is that means God gave some of his power, some of his authority. I don't know what he was thinking sometimes, but he gave some of his power and some of his authority to humanity to extend his goodness in the rest of his cosmos. And so he decided to let us bless others. That's mind boggling that this power to create, this performative speech to create new realities actually can happen when we choose to bless other people. We change the state of reality for those that we bless. This brings us to our primary text this morning, and we're only gonna linger there for a moment because we wanna bless you this morning. Numbers chapter six, this is called the priestly blessing. And it 
goes like this. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, Aaron is the high priest and his sons are the other priests in the, in the tabernacle. Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless. And there's that word, the Israelites. So this is not just God now speaking. He says, I want my people, these priests, to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on Israel and I will bless them. This is a beautiful idea. And the, and the priests would do this daily. They would stand by the tabernacle and they would bless the people. And they would say this blessing over the people. And then that nation was meant to be a kingdom of priests that they would extend, just like Abraham was meant to extend the blessing of God to the other nations. Israel was meant to be a kingdom of priests that extended the blessing of God to the rest of the nations. And that spills into the New Testament idea. And now we have been given the priestly blessing to be priests. But you are a chosen people in the new covenant. You are, we are, you are. If you follow Jesus, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, if the spirit of God has been placed into you, he has given you the capacity to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You're a kingdom of priests. And so that means you have been given by the spirit of God with your salvation and with the kindness of God, this power to perform new realities in the lives of people around you. This is not, this, if you're nervous a little bit that this is a, f a health, wealth, or prosperity gospel message, it isn't. But I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We are nervous by saying that blessings can come and flow to believers. The scriptures are not against blessing. They want to redefine what blessing is. Fair enough. But the, the scriptures are unequivocally, like C.S. Lewis quote, it's saturated every single corner. God motivates us by promising blessing to his people. And so then he gives us power to bless. And then notice how he does this. It's the Lord doing the work. Um, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So when we bless, we don't do it by ourselves. We actually invoke the power of God. So God often chooses to use his people to extend his blessing. So, we, so far we ask, what's biblical blessing? It's this capacity to grow and to multiply life, both metaphorical and physical life. And then we ask the question, how do we let it flow? Well, first of all, we have to recognize that blessing was not meant to terminate on you. It's got a destination beyond you. And then it also is this recognition that we are meant to bless one another and extend the blessing and the power and the goodness of God into the lives of other people around us. And that's how you step into the flow of God's blessing. Dallas Willard said it this way, to bless, blessing is the projection of good into the life of another. And so that's what we wanna do this morning. As we stand on the cusp of the new year, we wanna bless you this morning. And so 
in just a moment, we're gonna actually have a prayer team about 19 people stand all around the room and they're gonna pray a blessing prayer over every person willing to come. Just remember that this blessing prayer, they're gonna play, pray that priestly prayer over you, that the Lord would bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. And I wish I had time, that text is gorgeous and there's some beautiful truths in there but this message wasn't primarily about all of those details. You will receive the blessing of God even if you don't understand every single word of it. But it's a blessing for protection. It's a blessing that his face I don't know if you've ever seen a grandparent when they look at their grandchild and their face lights up with satisfaction and joy. It's that his face would shine on you and you and you. It's that he would be gracious to you, that charis, that powerful grace that actually transforms reality would be directed towards you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace, shalom. That's what your soul is asking for, shalom. Peace, the good life. So you're gonna receive a blessing today, but you're also, I'm gonna ask you to do this. It wouldn't be a New Year's Eve morning message if I didn't mention New Year's resolutions, would it? So I don't know what your New Year's resolution, I don't know if you do New Year's resolutions or what, but may I invade your New Year's resolution, please, just for a moment for this church. I don't, if you're a visitor, that's fine. You don't need to do this blessing thing. That's fine. I recommend it, but you don't need to do this blessing thing. But if you call yourself a follower of Jesus and you call South your home, this is my request, that you would learn to give a blessing. That this year, you go out of your way to be highly intentional about blessing people around you. Highly intentional about blessing those around you. So what's that mean? Uh, again, in just a moment, we're going to have about 15, 20 minutes where we're just going to be praying blessings over you and we're going to worship. But maybe while you're waiting in line, you could pull out your phone and I just want you to make a list of names. And maybe one dash and identify a quality in that person that you want to call out as good beautiful. Tell them. Don't just think it. Tell them. Bless their life. It's the movie Toy Story 3. This great, this great uh, run of Toy Story 1 and 2, you get to know all these characters in Toy Story, right? You get to see the bravery, you get to see them adventuring, these toys running around. Um, and so you start to build this affinity. If you've ever watched these, all these movies, you, you, you have this longing for these little characters, these little toys to thrive. But here in this scene in Toy Story 3, Andy's grown up and he's going to college. And so how are they gonna get these toys to continue to interact? Well, they, the writers came up with this idea they're gonna, that he's gonna pass the toys to this little girl. And this is my traditional time where I cry. I don't know why. <laughs> it's Toy Story 3. Come on, Aaron. Sheesh. So the scene starts with Andy. And he enters the front gate of Bonnie's home and, shower, uh, and shows her the box. And he tells her, hey, I'm Andy. Someone told me you're really good with toys. 
These are mine. But I'm going away now, so I need someone really special to play with them. And then Andy proceeded to hand the toys to Bonnie. He introduced them by saying something special about each. He begins with the toy cowgirl, Jessie. This is Jessie, the roughest, toughest cowgirl in the whole West. She loves critters, but none more than her best pal, Bullseye. Andy then hands Bonnie his toy, Tyrannosaurus Rex. This is the meanest, most terrifying dinosaur who ever lived. For the potato heads, Andy says this. The potato heads, Mr. and Mrs., you gotta keep them together because they're madly in love. (laughs) Slinky, the dog, is the most loyal dog you could ever want. Andy blesses Ham, the pig, by saying, he'll keep your money safe, but he also is one of the most dastardly villains of all time. Buzz Lightyear is the coolest toy ever. Look, he can fly and shoot lasers. He's he's sworn to protect the galaxy from evil Emperor Zog. And finally, his pal Woody. He says this, He's been my pal. As long as I can remember, he's brave like a cowboy should be and kind and smart. But the thing that makes Woody special is he'll never give up on you, ever. He'll be there for you no matter what. So why do I read this kind of, and why do I cry over this? (laughs) It's because notice even with this playful kids movie, He speaks these truths over his toys. That's my request for you this year. Find people and bless them with the power of God by calling out the goodness and the beauty that you see in them. And the things that we bless by God's grace can multiply our capacity to create life in this world. And that is what I want for this church. Okay? So now, We're going to have the prayer team come and they're going to go around the wall. And I'm just going to encourage you all throughout this time of worship, don't be bashful. What's the worst that could happen? You're going to receive a blessing from them, right? They're going to pray that priestly blessing over you. And if you have a prayer request at this time, feel free to ask them to pray for that as well. And then while you're waiting in line or after you've done being blessed, you can read that over and meditate on it or make your list of who are you going to bless yourself. So let's go ahead and stand and you can start lining up. They're all around the room, around the back. Whoever's closest to you, go ahead and line up there. And we're going to finish our time by being blessed. If God is working in your life through this ministry, join us by partnering with us. You can give online at southfellowship.org give. And thanks for listening. We hope you have a great rest of your day.